0: One chance one life one take little room for mistake who do you want Hello and welcome to the dead funny dead serious podcast. Today this is part of the series End of Life Professionals and today we are talking with Kate and Kate from the Coffin Club UK and we're going to just jump right in. Kate and Kate introduce yourselves, tell us who you are and what you do.
1: Oh, hello. hello. Um so I am Kate T. And I am Kate D. I am Common Kate. And I'm Posh Kate, or Blonde and Redhead. Naturally Red, of
2: course. So yes, <laughs> that is us. So that's who we are Um, what we do. So we are award-winning funeral <laughs> <you> celebrant, <laughs> And we're also the founders of
0: Coffin Club UK. Yeah, I have a feeling there's a lot more to you than that, so there we're going to dive right in. Yes,
2: Um. so yes, as funeral celebrants, we basically work terribly hard within our own community to um, try and p- promote different ways of doing funerals, so we want to change the face of funerals in the UK. Um and we do that through Coffin Club as well, which is an educational platform which basically we started in Hastings with Coffin Club Hastings. But we now have clubs up and down the country and they're where people come and plan and cost their perfect send off.
1: Problem is we don't do deaths very well in this country. We um, don't like to talk about it don't even like to think about it and you know one thing is is that we are all going to die um so we need to we need to actually normalize it and be able to talk about it um and not say words like that you know just normalize it all because it's just mental we don't we don't quite understand it and the more we think about it the more we're completely perplexed and want to get it out there to talk about it plan it
0: cost it because it is going to happen
2: yeah no matter what that is absolutely guaranteed
0: do you think i heard you say that it's bad in in this country in the uk do you think death avoidance is higher than other countries or about the same well the british are famously um uncomfortable
2: with large emotions I think while that is a stereotype there is some truth in that that you know the old stiff upper lip and don't talk about it um probably does exist and um You know, we go and give lots of talks at things like uh, the Women's Institute, uh, the University of the Third Age. I don't know if they're things you have in the States. Um, And when we first get there, everyone is kind of, you know, looking at their shoes and a little bit nervous because death is in the title or funeral. And they're a bit like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. I don't know what they're going to talk about. Am I going to be made sad? Am I going to be made a bit frightened? Am I going to have to think about things I don't really want to think about? And then because we're very jolly, Mitzi, and um, we make things really quite normal, um, by the end they're all putting their hand up, aren't they? They're all telling us about a funeral they went to, whether it was good or bad. And it just, you know, gives them permission to talk about this stuff. And that's what's so important that if you're weird about it then other people are weird about it if you are normal about it it's just normal and it is normal it's you know it is part of everyone's experience or will be at some point in their life
1: yeah I mean we're not trying to put the fun into funerals because you know death funerals it's bloody awful it's a horrendous time for people but we're hoping that by educating people to know all of the choices that they have around their end of life celebration helps with the grieving process because that's what it's all about um and we feel that perhaps that's not being done at this time we've we've done it the same way for so long it's not questioned people are just channeled one way and we're all so different and we're all, you know, especially the, the next generation, they want choice. And so we need to get it out there. And that's what we are doing. Talk by talk, coffin by coffin. And ahead
2: of time, Coffin clubs gets you before you're at a point of bereavement. Very difficult at a point of bereavement to think creatively or ask difficult questions. So we get it. We're very used to being channeled straight to a funeral director at a point of bereavement. Um funeral directors, there are many very brilliant funeral directors, but many work from a premise of here are my three packages, which one would you like? Um, we kind of come at it from a completely different place where we're sort of like, what would you like? And we'll accommodate that. Um, but we do get that at a point of bereavement, often that's quite difficult because people are not you know in a great headspace and so maybe they're in the headspace to go yeah here's my money you sort it out so Coffin Club um, is about getting people before a point of bereavement when they can think creatively and they can ask those questions and they have that ability and clarity to do that yeah I
1: mean they have a funeral wish list our clubbers, that's what we call the people that come to coffin Club, our clubbers, um, and they work through, as the course continues, they walk, uh, work through their funeral wish list so that by the end of the course, they've costed it, planned it, written it all down, and then they can sort of just put it away and, and get on with living, and, and then their families know exactly what they want.
2: I mean, our journey was basically... We were um, marriage registrars. So in the UK, you work for the county council in order to be able to marry people. So we worked for East Sussex County Council as marriage registrars. And then we decided to leave and become independent celebrants. So first of all, it was weddings. Then we realised they were very seasonal, usually only on a Saturday. It wasn't kind of like year round income. So we thought, okay, we'll train to be funeral celebrants, Um, which we took very seriously, didn't we? We were like, that's a big weight of responsibility. You know, we need to be sure that we're up to the job. Um, So we went and did some training, which was okay. Uh, (laughs) Then we started doing funerals. And um, what tends to happen here is that, you know, you go to a funeral director. They say, was mum or dad or whoever religious? If yes, okay, here's your faith channel. Um, No, okay, here's the crematorium. We, on majority um, of people are cremated in the UK. I think it's more burials in um, the US, but in the UK, it's mainly cremations. So with a cremation, you tend to get a 30 minute slot at the crematorium so it is very much you know one in one out um so we did that for a very short amount of time and then we kind of turned to each other and went is this is this it is this what you would want for your funeral you know is this what you would want if you know your husband or one of your children heaven forfend died you know and the answer was no So, um, Um,
1: because we um, were marriage celebrants we've been to lovely venues and barns and village halls um, and so we actually spoke to all of our venues and said to them would you think to hold a a funeral service in your venue Um, and it was really strange because initially (laughs) they were like do we can we oh don't don't know body coffin oh how are we going to do that but very quickly, because we talk about it so normally, they were like, OK, that's income in the week. I see absolutely no problem. And without, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't think of it. A hundred percent of the people that we spoke to said absolutely, yes, we would hold, um, whether it be a funeral, um, the whole thing or the coffin there or the coffin not there, they were happy to facilitate anything. So we were so excited. Yes. So we went trotting off to our (laughs) local funeral directors. Mm. Full of of joy, uh, (laughs) Nicky.
2: Full of naïve wonder. And we got there and (laughs) said, um, "Yeah, there were bluebirds flying around (laughs) our heads. And um, we got there and said, oh, listen, you know, we've been to all these venues. They'd love to host funerals. You know, will you offer that to families? And um, they all said, no. <laughs> we, we just said, no. And um, when we said, oh, why not? They said, well, nobody's ever asked us for it. So we were like, well, yeah, because they don't know. You know, there's a lot of um, misinformation, isn't there? Um, you know, people think it's the law in this country that you have to use a funeral director. They think it's the law that you have to go to the crematorium. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you tell them, that you don't have to do any of the above. They are just completely like, well, what? Yeah, I did not know that. And then when we actually conduct funerals in different settings where we've separated the cremation or burial from the celebration of life, there's always guests at the end, aren't there, come up to you and go, oh my God, that was so amazing. I didn't know you could do it like this. This is definitely what I'm going to do. And so we just became absolutely obsessed with getting that information out there. Um, And so we set up the first Coffin Club in Hastings. And then from that, it just sort of snowballed,
0: didn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, all we're trying to say is that if you want your 20 minutes at the crematorium with a Dickensian gentleman in a top hat, then that's absolutely fine. We would support you 100%. But if you're only having that 20 minutes up the crematorium because you don't know of all the other choices, all the other things that you could have, then that's not right. So you need to, you know, we need to get the word out there. We need everybody to know. You should be making
2: an informed choice. You shouldn't just be being channeled. And that is, you know, currently kind of what is happening So we also now train funeral celebrants because we really think that they're part of this movement for change, too. That if people realise they can go to a celebrant um, rather than going straight to a funeral director and these celebrants have all the tools in their toolbox to say to people, "Okay, let's look at other ways of doing this, then, you know, we can be a movement for change. We can really change the face of funerals. And like Kate says, if you give people all those choices and they go, you know, you say, yeah, you can be in a woodland <laughs> with fire eaters and dancing girls and, you know, whatever, naked <laughs> jugglers. And, um, and they, <laughs> <laughs> and they um, you know, think all of that through and then go, no, do you know what? I would really like 20 minutes at the crematorium. Would be like fantastic we will support you 100% and for some people that's absolutely the right choice and it can still be a really lovely and meaningful service but for other people you know we know because we've had people come to us who thought they were going to have a 20-minute crematorium service and they end up with something alternative and fabulous and they are like this has completely changed everything I was dreading it it was something to get through it was something that I just needed to get past and this has been something that I have taken ownership of that has been creative that I've really enjoyed and that I actually like to look back on and you know that's just our work here.
0: Quick question in that instance are you speaking of the person who's planning their own funeral? Or are you talking about their family members looking back? It's a bit of
2: both. Um, Ashley came to Coffin Club and he um, thought he was going to have 20 minutes at the crematorium. But he was quite an alternative guy. And what he really wanted was to be buried on his own land. But he didn't think that that was possible or he thought it would be a really complicated process. It's actually really very easy um, in the UK. So we talked him through the process and um, he ended up with a funeral in the village hall, which was next to where his land was. He was then drummed across by these Indian drummers um, and buried on his own land. And then everybody came back to the village hall and... um, some local, uh, a local Indian restaurant had come in and catered. And it was just amazing. And his family had decorated his coffin. He was very well-traveled, so they'd stuck maps from where he'd been. He loved going to festivals and gigs, so they had flyers and tickets. So, you know, that was a really amazing thing for them to do. But he also got what he had wanted. So in that case it was for both sometimes it's you know the the family so I had someone come to me who she said oh you know my mum has died and I started saying oh you know you can have a different setting she said oh my dad's really conventional he will want the crematorium I said that's absolutely fine I was just putting it out there you could be at this lovely hotel up the road blah blah she went off and I thought oh well it'll be a Conventional crematorium service, that's absolutely fine. And then she phoned me up and said, Oh, no, we've talked about it, and we'd really like to be at this hotel. And I and then we talked about a candle ritual, which the grandchildren did, and you know, and it just completely took away time restriction. They then had an afternoon tea, and mum actually went and was um had a direct cremation like a week before. So the whole thing changed. But they really took ownership of it rather than just handing it over they they became creative and part of it so it's a bit of both
1: i mean i mean we talked about coffee and coffee it isn't just um, an educational platform we do have speakers to come and tell them you know the, the manager from the local crematorium a local doula um the local hospice bereavement counselors a lady that um did her, her husband's funeral DIY got the coffin off the internet etc uh, we do have all of that but we also if you like to you can decorate your own flat pack coffin um, so that's that's the secondary part of Coffin Club and it's really strange because just having that box uh, represent that person and it certainly doesn't need to be in a, a work of art it can be stickers or maps or handprints or or anything else that you want but, but having a coffin like that is makes it so much less scary um it can then the person is then central to proceedings your family and friends can write on the coffin a part of it can lean on it can talk to the person even that small change makes such a huge difference yeah um, we're not you know, we're not making great, big, massive. Like Kate says, we're not jumping around naked, we're not doing anything completely wacko. You wouldn't want to see that. Would no, you? Actually, to, be, to fair. be fair, you wouldn't. It would not be a good look. But you know, it is about the person that has died. Mm. Yeah, isn't it? and that is exactly that, isn't it? I mean, you know,
2: at Ashley's funeral with the decorated mm. coffin, people were. They were coming up. They were. There'd been space left for people to write messages. They were chatting to him, they were patting it, you know. And that's just so different to when you're at the crematorium and this horrible box is up there, and people often say, Oh, am I allowed? Am I allowed to go up there? It's like, you know, suddenly there's some power dynamic that is very different. Um, and it's tucked up the back as well, isn't it? Yeah. Up at the front, it should be there should be in the middle and our 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 coffins have um weight-bearing handles so families can carry um rather than having to pull bear which is what normally happens here are carried on the shoulder and the handles aren't weight-bearing um which makes it very tricky for families if they want to do it themselves but um you can get loads of weight-bearing Strangely
1: enough, because we we never we didn't have any idea really of who was going to be a, a, our typical clubber we presumed it would be the elderly the terminally ill or those who care for those terminally ill but actually that is absolutely not the case one of our clubbers one of the reasons that he came to Coffin Club was because of the handles wasn't it because he was incensed of how much the <laughs> handles of his wife's um for the coffin cost the
2: handles were plastic, weren't they? They're plastic wow. generally because they're not weight bearing, they're plastic. And he had to pay to upgrade to genuine brass handles. And he was so outraged that he came to Coffin Club and had a cardboard
1: coffin. <laughs> yes, you, you couldn't even if you sat in a room to try and think of the different people and different reasons they would come to Coffin Club, you couldn't well you just wouldn't believe it it's amazing and we now
2: we now have coffin clubs like up and down the country because we now train other people to set up and run coffin clubs and be part of the coffin club family which we are immensely proud of we're just so thrilled that other people want to you know spread this message within their communities it's just utterly amazing isn't it it's
1: just so empowering you just it's empowering for us and it's empowering families and people to um take control and that's what it's all about it's simple
0: uh we've caught you've gotten to the fact that you know what you do and how you do it and what you do it isn't simple educating people and inspiring people uh to have this right normalizing that there's creative and interesting ways that we can take control of our end-of-life plans. And speakers, training celebrants, uh, flat pack caskets, all of these things. That's a lot. I don't know if it's simple at all. Um, yeah, so what that's I, my <laughs> fault, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's amazing and, and we call it planting seeds, right? You have to plant seeds and people have to witness a whole pattern of-
2: Oh, each. completely. Yeah. Because because we think everyone that comes to one of these funerals, you know, not only do they come up to us and go, oh, my God, that was so amazing. They go off and they talk to 20 other people and say, I went to this funeral. It was amazing, you know, and that's how it goes. And that's, you know, also why we want to get celebrants on board, because we think They're amazing and they can be at the heart of this. And there are funeral directors who also are fantastic and, you know, singing from the same song sheet as us. And it's, you know, it's just long overdue, isn't it?
1: Even even for for the dead, what we like to think is that um, if they're, however, that we're celebrating their life, if they're at the back of the room. If they say that was bloody brilliant, then everybody's done their job um and we're absolutely convinced again that if if they feel that they've they've done the best they could for uh, their loved one then again that gives some comfort Mm. some help along the grieving process i mean going
2: back to the coffins we get our coffins from a company called coffin in a box in holland and they come flat packed and you put them together and um we had a clubber who she was terminally ill with cancer and we had, um, decorated her coffin together because she'd been really poorly. So she hadn't been able to finish it at the club. So we ended up having it on my dining room table and we had a bit of a Prosecco party Mm -hmm. and, um, kate d had to be driven home didn't you got a bit messy <laughs> had
1: a lovely time <laughs> i love
2: prosecco so we finished decorating <laughs> her coffin with her and then um she did die and we had the coffin i had it at my house and it had these really nice um kind of linen coffin liner and so i said to kate can you come from your house and we'll iron the coffin liner and we'll put it in the coffin, ready to take to the undertaker. And considering this was a very small thing that we were doing um, and that we weren't closely related to her, it really felt like an act of love. It felt like a very important thing that we were doing and we monkey about all the time but we didn't we felt very you know respectful and like we were holding space for her and that this was a very important thing and we said afterwards you know if we felt like that over somebody who we had a relationship with but not you know not really really close Imagine how that must be if you are doing that for somebody you deeply, deeply love. It's just amazing. I would want to be the woman who comes to talk to us about her husband's funeral, that she basically kept his body at home, bought the coffin off the internet, transported him in her daughter's estate car. And she said that she was the one who put the lid on his, coffin and that really meant something to her that she had been you know married to him for 50 years she didn't want a stranger washing him and dressing him she wanted to be the one who did it and she did and I think it's about looking back isn't it to how we used to do things before The men in suits got hold of it and started going. I know how to make money out of this shit. (laughs) And so we want to go back to when it was the wise women of the village who, you know, did all this stuff because they were wise. They knew what they were doing. You know, they knew how important it was. And it's like that's been taken away.
1: her time as well, didn't it? It Yeah, time to process it. So by the time she put the lid on his coffin. She was, she, ready. she was ready. She had done her goodbyes and she was ready to let him go. And she said that was completely powerful. Mm. Wow.
0: that. Uh, thank you for sharing that story. I, I think it's so important. It's the heart of the reason that we're doing this podcast is mm. to promote psychologically sound funerals. Right. And allow mm. that process and sharing the education so people even know the difference. Because. Okay. We've been taught out of it, haven't we, by those men in the suits?
2: Well, Kate and I always say about, um, you know, funerals that we do um, where it's been very conventional and, uh, you know, the person's been picked up like that the second they're dead, you know get them off the premises immediately things are going to start degrading you know yes and smelling and decomposing you know like the second they breathe their last breath and then you know so the family have maybe seen them dying maybe not even seen them dead and then the next time they see them like open casket here is very uncommon um and you might go and and um they say view, but we really hate that. You might go and hang out with your dead at the funeral directors, but you might not. Often people choose not to. So they haven't seen that person. And then the next time they see them, they're in a box coming out of a hearse, And we see them, don't we? They like, they recoil. Yeah. They are traumatized by that. And I just think, ah, uh, you know, that's quite easily avoided if we all just embrace this stuff and, you know, engage with the process rather than going, I don't want to, you know, and I'm sure that, you know, it's with the best will in the world. It's like, we'll take care of it for you because it's difficult for you. But actually I don't think that's the healthiest outcome.
0: I would agree. I would agree. So if it's okay, we're going to switch. Uh, gears a little bit and I think you've covered a bit, tiny bits of it but what are the challenges you're facing uh, offering this to? Well <laughs> <you>? <laughs> no how challenges.
2: long have you got Mitzi? <laughs> um, well we've kind of covered the you know reluctance to talk about it um, also the yeah the <laughs> the funeral director as gatekeeper um and the kind of um in the uk the uh tradition around respect so somehow tradition and respect have sort of become intertwined so having a a guy dressed as a dickensian gentleman in a top hat with a cane somehow signifies respect Kate and I are not quite sure why. Good why idea. is that respectful? It's, it's traditional, but it's not about respect. So it's a the challenge is also unpicking several hundred years of history and, oh, we've always done it like this. And, you know, people understanding, like you say, this fear around being respectful, actually really honouring who that person was is the most respectful thing you can do so I did a funeral for a guy it's a really well-known shoe designer called Terry de Havilland you can google him he did shoes for like T-Rex and David Bowie and his funeral was in a local bar and it was a very drunken affair (laughs) quite a few people were very stoned (laughs) I think uh is weed legal in Washington state I don't even know um (laughs) well it's not here (laughs) um and it was an uproarious affair and it was absolutely brilliant and so fitting for him he had a leopard skin hearse his son was live streamed from australia you know videos were played it was just brilliant um you know, so on paper, not a respectful, you know, conventional, not a Dickensian gentleman in sight, but in actuality, absolutely perfect to embody the person who'd died. And his wife was like absolutely... Yeah, she doesn't stop talking No, about she everything. was delighted by mm, it because yes. she was like, he would have loved
1: it. takes real comfort you can see when she talks about it real comfort for what she you know what she's able to do for him Mm. yeah
2: and she painted his coffin Uh, and it was amazing it was all like pop art pow zap and yeah and she's actually a good artist so it looked really good it was great um
1: challenges challenges, even um i think people coming to coffin club think it's going to be difficult and a morbid and sad place and perhaps full of weirdos called cults perhaps we're a cult (laughs) um but actually you know within the first week they realize that we are quite normal um and we 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 speak about death and dying and coffins and bodies and things so normally that um within 5 minutes they feel completely comfortable and it's given them permission yeah. to talk and think about death and share their experiences and everybody's got an ex- a different experience everybody's got a story to tell mm-hmm. um and um and once they start talking they don't stop and then they're telling the the taxi driver the lady in the corner shop their friends their family and so it ripples out and then Mm. enables more and more people to talk normally about it because it is quite normal you know I mean the other challenge as
2: celebrants is that um in the UK the funeral director is the gatekeeper and families go to the funeral director and then it's generally up to the funeral director to direct them signpost them either to a faith leader or a celebrant Um, it means that lots of really good celebrants are just not getting any work because they're not the go-to celebrant and it also means that stuff has been set in stone before the family get to you because the funeral director has said yes you can have half an hour at the crematorium Um, You get one piece of music going in, one going out and one in the middle, Um, you know, and as a celebrant, you kind of get given that. And then you can't say, actually, there's loads of other stuff you could do because it's sort of too late. So our challenge is to um, get celebrants to be braver about marketing directly to their communities and to get themselves skilled up so that they can also say, yeah, I know what you can do and I can support you in doing that. So that's been another kind of challenge in training celebrants that we're trying to break the mold it's a little bit. It's kind
1: of shrouded in mystery, you know, they've kept the funeral directors have kept it all to themselves. I mean, the paperwork and things, it's not that difficult. And um, if you go to the, our local crematorium, the staff there would go through and help you fill out all the forms. If that, you know, if, if that was what you would want to do, so there is nothing that you can't do yourself if you want to. Mm. But it seems as if that's all been, yes, yeah, shrouded, uh, sort of kept from them. We at least, well, just... I think there's been a,
2: <laughs> a benefit to keeping it shrouded in mystery. Hasn't of course, there? yeah. I mean, I think. That's the the opposite of a challenge, actually, is the fact that um, the funeral world, what you're allowed to do is really unregulated in the UK. You know, as long as you dispose of the body correctly in the final instance, so burial, cremation or burial at sea, we don't really have any other options currently that are legal, (laughs) Um, you know what you do for your celebration of life you can do whatever you like it's not regulated so if we can sort of um break the stranglehold uh then you know the world really is everyone's oyster because they can do whatever they like and that's not to say that we don't advocate using funeral directors because we think they absolutely have their place and in all the funerals that we have ever done we've we very rarely there's no funeral director involvement very 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 rarely so you know that's fine you you know we're not trying to stop people using funeral directors we're just saying maybe use them in a different way maybe go to a funeral director and say what you want rather than accepting what they're offering you Yeah. yeah we want to work with funeral
1: directors not Four funeral directors and that's how it is at the moment but we are step by step changing and making yeah, funeral revolution and it really is it feels like we're disrupting it all and we are yeah clawing we well. our way yes we are and you know that's
2: why we're not always very popular <laughs> <laughs> and that makes us think we're on to something because if the establishment don't like you you're doing something right aren't you
0: yes that's yeah that's a good spot to be in right yes when people don't know what they don't know and the establishment's against you mm, yeah you've you've touched a nerve somewhere and that's a good thing Uh, so moving on to the hopes right it's you know i can get a bit of it already which is you hope to get more coffin clubs, more celebrants, more education to the people. Um, I have some hopes for the UK is that we have aqua hydrolysis and yes. human composting yeah. here in Washington state and a handful of other states in the United States. And those are, of course, some green options that we are. Hoping yes.
2: For. Oh, I'm obsessed with composting.
0: Yeah. Uh, I just love
2: the thought of being composters. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it on! I love a compost heap. I, I can't wait. Can you make sure can that? I can't wait. I can't. I, I can't wait for it to come to the I UK. Can't wait. Honestly, she's so got it on <laughs> so <laughs> that I know I can be composted. Yeah, because it's out, just yeah. not green, is it? Either option currently is just really bad for the environment. Whichever way, and we're a small island. We haven't got much room to keep burying people. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean. That even that well, that's a good um example because um cardboard coffins are the sort of cool thing to have at the moment, but actually they're not very green. They're really not no. because they take a lot more juice, a lot more gas in in the cremator. Um and so they're not actually yeah, the best thing to use. There's even these little things that people think they're doing the right yeah, thing. Yeah, they think, oh, I'll get a cobble mm.
2: coffin because it's eco-friendly, and it's like,
0: ah, that's <laughs> not yeah yeah see you're educating right there you can't stop can you we we thank you
2: mitzi yeah so i don't know I i think we feel quite hopeful that um there'll come a tipping point and that once that happens things will shift quite quickly but who knows i mean it's been a very weird couple of years hasn't it so I think everybody's feeling very deathed out and very aware of their own mortality. So um, yes, we live in interesting times.
1: I mean, it, what we what we would really love is that uh, that there to be no need to, to run coughing clubs because everybody knows. They all know about the choices. They all know exactly what they can have. Mm-hmm. Everyone's talking about it. It's completely normalised get on with living yeah wouldn't that be great
2: yeah yeah so first of all we'll have loads of coffee clubs up and down the country and they will do their work and then everybody will know and then we'll have a great big party a closing <laughs>
1: closing down party oh and can, I, can i say one thing though that i really hope because this is getting closer to kevin bacon isn't it oh, so i'm obsessed with kevin, kevin bacon, bacon so i want to be um cremated but what I really want is to have a life-size picture of Kevin Bacon on the inside of my coffin lid so he's on top of me as I burn. That's what I really want. So, um, yeah, I mean, if anybody knows Kevin Bacon could, could pass that message on, I would be very grateful. You know,
2: every time we get any airtime, she says that and goes, if anyone knows one Kevin... Day. I Honestly, she actually thinks one day someone's going to go, hey, Kev, hey, Kev. There's this lady in battle in England and that he's going to be like, Oh yeah. Okay. Things are he looks it's really cute. scrawny in those E.E. E. I, I,
1: like I like him and he was fantastic in Footloose. All I need to say.
0: So we, we covered all of, all of the pieces for this podcast on, on our way out today. How can people find you and connect with you the best?
2: Well, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say something hilarious, <laughs> but I don't know. I'll just tell them the website. Shall I? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, go to www.coffingclub.co.uk or you can email us at hello, H E L L O. At coffinclub.co.uk. Yes, we're quite responsive, aren't we? We do get back. Your name's Kevin. You get (laughs) back very fast. We do have a mailing list which you can jump on, and then you get. I'd like to say it's a monthly newsletter, but actually it's a bit more random than that. It's kind of whenever I get round to doing it. I go, oh my god, I haven't done a newsletter, and then I whack down some interesting. Stuff that we've been up to. So, yes, feel free to mail us, get put on the newsletter and yeah. Insta. Follow us on Instagram. Facebook. We've got a Facebook page and uh, YouTube. Oh, yes, we've got a YouTube channel. And we're very down with the kids, you know. Yes, Mitch has just told us that we need to do some ticking and talking. So, we might do a bit of that. Yes have to get one of the kids to teach us how to do that won't we do we have to do a dance Isn't there- no you don't have to do a dance I'd like to. Oh.
0: <laughs> all of those all of those uh ways to contact you will be in the show notes so anybody listening to this can find those on the show notes either on the youtube channel or on the podcast and we will stay in touch and we will watch no pressure but we are waiting for your tiktok channel uh, I'll, <laughs> i will follow you immediately yes okay <laughs> And We're also, so if you're cool, call it the clock app. I don't know why. Oh,
2: oh. well, we are cool, Mitzi. You may not have <laughs> realized how cool we are.
1: Very cool in our own little head Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think you're very, very cool. And it's been a pleasure to meet you and speak with you for the last uh, little bit. And I look forward to collaborating more. Yes, likewise. <laughs> uh thank everybody for listening to this podcast or watching us on YouTube and connect with us anywhere you find at Funny Dead Series, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and...